Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. Good morning. Come on, somebody. It's a good morning to be in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to Titus chapter 3 this morning. We're going to be there in just a moment. I want to talk a little bit about this fast. And we had, we had over, over 60 people Friday night praying and, and believing God for 2020 Friday night for a prayer service. And we joined this fast, and, and it was amazing. God did a lot. And, and then we all broke the fast together, and we all went to eat tacos and salsa and chips, and we overloaded, and then we were sick to our stomach. And, and lesson learned, when you break a fast, you know, go gentle. Maybe, maybe the Lord wants to teach you some new habits of eating, some new ways to go about it. And so, um, But what I want to do is... We were fasting with our Every Nation churches, and there's 70 churches in North America, thousands of churches across the globe. There was tens of thousands of people in our movement of churches fasting and praying for 2020. But there were also other movements and networks fasting and praying. There was the ARC network and many other networks. And Thursday night, we had the opportunity to, to link up and share the stage with other churches in our city and pray and believe that we would actually win the city, that God would unite the churches to win the city in this city. And I just, I want to encourage you that the, the churches in our city are more united than ever right now, that we're believing God to reach people and to, to, to just share the gospel in powerful ways. And so it was very encouraging. I, I was encouraged. I hope you're encouraged by that, just knowing that, that the body of Christ is being unified in great ways. And, and we just, I, I, I want to just tell you right now, that that as a lead pastor, um, I just I want to tell you right now, if this isn't the church home for you, there's some amazing churches for you. We'd encourage you to go there, but but we believe that God is doing something great here. And so sundown tonight, um, we're, we're going to actually commit another two week fast for Luminous Church. Can I get a praise God for that? Some of you are like, man, what are you doing? What are you doing to us? I just, I tasted the goodness of the glory of food, and I don't want to go back. But we're going to do a two-week fast starting sundown tonight. We're going to go for two weeks. How many of you fasted for the first time this past week? Um, anybody in here fast for the first time? Who joined us on the fast this week? How many of you participated? That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, we want to invite you into that. So maybe you weren't, didn't participate with us. We'd encourage you to start sundown tonight. And maybe it's not just food. Maybe you don't want to do liquids for two weeks and look like a toothpick by the end of it. You know, but, but maybe it's screen time. Maybe for you it's uh, something that, that is um, whatever it is that is distracting you or gratifying you. Just think about surrendering that to the Lord that you would be after um, spirit thinking. And so that's what we, we've um, just displayed as a fast follow after spirit thinking and just remember that acronym as you fast this week that we would renew our mind with christ and become more like him well let's uh read titus chapter 3 this morning together we'll start in verse 3 
For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of the eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. God, we just invite you into this place this morning. Holy Spirit, would we be more aware that you're already present? And God, I just pray that you would help our mind and our heart to wrap around this text. And would you illuminate a truth to us? Would you bring some type of transformation as we walk out of these doors this morning? God, we're asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, how many know that that in it's the year 2020 and it's the year of the future? Come on, somebody. It's the year of the future. It's the year of virtual reality. It's the year of augmented reality. There's a mixed reality going on. We don't even know where we are right now. But how many of you know have seen this augmented reality? I know we all have because who has Snapchat in here? Who sent some snap? Who, who did a little kitty face or a little, little dog with a tongue or something like that, right? We put these filters on one another. Maybe you have Insta Story. Who has Insta Story? Instagram in here, okay? A lot of us who has Facebook, you know, all these platforms are realizing that augmented reality is pretty fun, isn't it? It's pretty fun when you put the phone in front of your reality and then you can in, inject something in there. Like, what's your favorite Disney princess? You know, what do you look like? Well, what's your, what, what star do you sing like? And all of a sudden it flickers and then it, boom, right there. And all of a sudden you look like Aladdin. Thank you very much. And, uh, and you, you start looking at these things, you know, and, and we love it. We love it. I love uh, Marco Polo which is old man Snapchat. Some of you heard me say that. And, and it, I love it because it has an automatic filter on it, an automatic filter where your skin glows. It's like a halo around your face, and, and you look better than you really are, somebody. Come on. This augmented reality, making, making life fun, making it exciting, bringing dinosaurs to roam the earth, you know, as you're uh, climbing enchanted rock, you know, you're just like, wow, this is awesome, you know. It's just making it come to life. We love this augmented reality. The, the possibilities are endless when it comes to these things. I mean, it, it, there's so many great things about it. I don't know if you've researched it at all, but... There are surgeons who can now operate through this augmented reality, this mixed reality, and they can do it hands-on right there. So they're actually not learning on an actual person. How many are thankful for that? You know, it's like pastors need some augmented reality because when you learn on people, it's messy. You know, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you give somebody some bad advice and not some Holy Spirit advice, you know? And, and so it, it's nice to be able to do these things, these things. And and yet, you know, when you take off the Google glasses and you take off the filter and you actually see yourself in a mirror that doesn't have a filter, all of a sudden reality starts slapping you in the face. Are you kidding me? That's how many moles I have on my face. 
That's how many wrinkles I have right now at age almost 38. You know, I mean, this is going downhill real quickly. You know, and, and a lot of us have been thinking that this reality. You look at the world, all of a sudden you were in your apartment and, and you put in augmented reality and you had luxury couch and luxury furniture, you know, from Ikea. And, and all these things were in your place. You had that new rug and it was awesome. And then when you turn it off, you're like, whoa, who wants to live here? Who wants to live in this place? And so the big idea this morning is amazing grace actually augments a reality with Christ's mercy. That, that it actually augments the reality of what's really happening in your life. That it's not just something, that this, this mirror or mirage over our life, but there's, there's, there's this grace and this mercy in our life that, that transforms our life and the way we are and the way we think and, and the way we see it. It's this amazing grace. God's grace stands in sharp contrast with our godlessness and sin. Titus 3.3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. There's this whole laundry list of bad stuff that we used to do. How many can get an amen on that? There's this whole laundry list of maybe some bad stuff that we do still do. Can I get an amen on that? And it's not an exhaustive list. In fact, it's just a little bit of the, of the wickedness inside of us. And he does this. Paul likes to do this because he wants to remind us of what grace has really done in our lives. He wants to remind us of how grace has really transformed us and his mercy, what it really saved us from. Are you thankful for that this morning? So I want to go through some of these things and just break them down so that we can just digest this disgust together and then hopefully be redeemed before we leave here. So foolish. We were foolish. Making decisions based on selfishness. That's what foolishness is. Making decisions based on selfishness. Disobedient. Ignoring all authority and actually having actions against authority. Where, where, you're not, where you're not just uh, ignoring all the authority against you, but you're having actions against them. And maybe they're not outwardly, but they're inwardly. You know, the grumbling in your workplace when your boss asks you to do that next thing. And you're like, man, who put him in charge? I can't even believe this. When some policy gets passed, you know, you're like, what kind of policy is that? Who voted for that person? You know, and you just start, you start this self-dialogue of this disobedience and and then uh, the third thing is we're led astray. We followed another shepherd's voice. Or some of us just see sheep going one way. We're like, man, that looks attractive. I'm going to follow those sheep. And, and they take us to these places that we don't want to go. Matthew 7.15 says this. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious and wolves. There are people wanting to lead you from the will of God. There are people who are actually contesting God's will in your life and wanting you to move away from that. There's the people who don't want your marriage to work. There's people who don't want your kids to be godly kids. There's people who don't want you to finish that degree plan that you started three years ago. There, there are so many people who, who want the worst for you and not the best for you. And they lead you astray like false prophets. They'll lead you astray with, with leading you into um, something that is not godly. We see this all the time. The next thing, slaves to various passions and pleasures. That, that a slave serves and has to serve. 
serving these various passions and pleasures, uh, the ones that contradict God's will. Then we see passing our days in malice and envy. This maliciousness is plotting evil against somebody else because you envy what they have what others have i mean how many of you follow some hashtags on instagram hashtag luxury life hashtag luxury boat hashtag luxury car hashtag luxury wife hashtag luxury husband you know some of you fall on these things and all of a sudden you want you look at these things and, and they entice you and you want them. And, and as you want them, you begin to speak ill upon those who have and you don't have. You start wanting bad things for them. And bad things for your neighbor because he got the promotion. Bad things for that student who was recognized in class. Bad things for them. You start wanting ill for them. You are in this malicious thinking. And lastly, from this list, we see that haters are going to hate. Right? Y'all heard that. Haters are going to hate. They're hating all the time. They hate on me, but nobody can stop me, you know? And so here we are, and we see this hating all the time. But I'm going to tell you, haters are going to hate, but, but those who hate you, you're probably hating as well. You know, isn't that true? In fact, in fact, we, we see this through the, throughout the gospel that if you have Christian thinking, you have actually less haters than more haters. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes we read the scripture. If I stand up for Christ, I'm going to be persecuted. That doesn't mean everybody's going to hate you. You see, not everybody's anti-God or anti-Christ. Some people just want to know him. I'm going to tell you there's more people who want to know him than hate him in the world today. There's more people who need to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus and are hungry for it because they're hopeless and helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd and they're waiting for you to come into their life. So they're moving us to a place of loving and grace. And, and you'll find yourself having people actually like you. They actually like you. But in our former life, we just hashtag don't envy me. Don't hate me. This is what happens. I, I, I grew up in a Christian home and grew up in a Christian school. And my dad was a pastor. And my, my parents got radically saved in the Jesus movement in the 70s. God was just all over them. And they raised me in the godly place. And, and I'll just say this. When you raise uh, raised in a godly home, in a godly place, all of a sudden you kind of think you're a good person. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anybody else? You, you think you're just all right. And, and so you live this life. And, and for some, somewhere along your journey, journey you just you just start following Jesus somewhere along the journey you, you may not identify it I, I remember five years old when I when I confessed Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life and enter my heart but but it was somewhere through a process just man I love Jesus this is what I want to do this is this is who I love I don't know anything else this is him and it's all for him and and, and so what I had to do is I had to be reminded of a laundry list because you see when you grow up in a situation like that then all of a sudden you think you're a good person and there's no, no greater danger than you to think that you're a good person. Because if you think you're a good person, what happens is you think you gained your, your, your salvation and your righteousness by good works. And all of a sudden you become boastful. And as you become boastful and arrogant, you become like a Pharisee. And then when you fall into sin, then you have to hide it. 
Because you don't want anybody to know that you aren't perfect. You don't want anybody to know that you aren't loving Jesus. So you start hiding things. Start hiding what you watch or what you see or what you think or what you do. You start living, living a secret life. And so I just, I had to be reminded of what God saved me from. So I wrote a journal and I got a journal out and I really felt like the Lord impressed this on my heart. And some of you have heard this before, but I think it's a good exercise. And maybe if you grew up like me and if you didn't, I want to address you in just a moment. Uh, but, but for me, I just had to ask God a question. God, what would I be like without you? Because I don't know. What would I be like? What would I, where would I be? What would it look like? And he just started downloading to me. He goes, I want you, Ben, to just start thinking about all the temptations. And then I want you to write out those temptations. I want you to play those out. I want you to play those out, and I want you to play them out to the very nth degree and that's where you would be. And as I did that, I began to weep because I had a greater understanding of his grace and mercy over my life. I'm so thankful for his saving grace, for his mercy over my life, that he saved me from so much. He kept me from so much wrong, so much evil, so many things that I could have missed the mark on. He, he brought about this whole idea of what I have been saved from. You see, God, God wants to augment your perspective on reality first by reminding you that he's already saved you from more than what's in front of you. He's already saved you from more than that. And those who aren't Christians, maybe you didn't grow up like a Christian and, and you're looking at this and you're looking at this list and you're like, man, they think we're bad people. You know, I mean, I, I like going to the club. I, I like my stilettos and pumps, you know, I, I, I like going there. It's like, you know, and they just think I'm awful and all those things. And, and all the time I come to church, you don't give enough. You don't do enough. You don't stand long enough. You don't sit long enough. You go in the bathroom five times, coffee two times. I I mean, all these things, and you just feel like judge, 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 judge. But I want to just free you this morning is that we're all made in the image of God. And God loves me just as much as he loves you. That God is for you, not against you. We believe in this whole doctrine of Imago Dei, that you're made in the image of God. Every last one of us in this room, that God sees people, that he knitted you together in your mother's womb, that you're not an accident. You're here on purpose, for purpose. He's going to do great works in you. He's not giving up on you. He loves you. He's going after you. He, he's for you. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Let's give God a hand. Let's encourage. Let's encourage. Because I'm telling you, we got to clap. Because there's somebody who may not believe that here this morning. Somebody may not believe that. We need to remind them. Your clap offering reminds them of how amazing they are to God. Let's give God a hand clap. Come on. Secondly, we see from this, we see, we see this moment of transition. But God. Y'all remember Pastor Austin's message, but God? You know, I mean, everybody was out there saying, but God! You know, they're yelling, screaming. It was like the roof was coming off. It was crazy. I, I, was, I was there the other day. Somebody last week uh, or a couple weeks ago, man, you know, that message, but God, that was, that was awesome. That was the best sermon. Oh, yours was good, too, you know. I was like, but God, amen. Come on. And here, here in this moment, we see a but God moment. But God's amazing grace is rooted in the appearing of Jesus. Titus 3, 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. This is the Pauline shorthand for the gospel right here. The goodness of God's loving kindness appeared Jesus. 
This is a beautiful moment for us to remember and recollect that he is beautiful, he's amazing, and he's the one who augments our reality. Three, we see how does God's amazing grace not just augment our reality, but, but bring real reality. And we'll see that in verse five, that this is how he brings about a real reality and not just a false reality over our lives, not just a momentary thing. It says in three, five, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The first thing we see is that God saves us. This is what brings about reality is that God saves us. You see, you can't have any true reality of your purpose and why God made you, of, of what you should fulfill on this earth without first realizing that God saves you. You don't save yourself. And I'm so thankful for that. And it won't get old. We're going to keep saying that. Hey, remember, man, you didn't save yourself because you'll get boastful and boastful and boastful. There's so many religions built on self-salvation. Right? Now think about it. Every religion actually is built on self-salvation. You got to reach to a place of ecstasy or nirvana or heaven-like thinking by being a good person and posture yourself in a right place and doing a list. And I'm going to tell you that that is horrible because you'll get so boastful, so puffed up. And I'm going to tell you the proverb says this, pride goes before a fall. But I'm thankful that Jesus saves us, that he is the one who saves us, not by works, not by works. And that's to be clear that, that he's going to augment our reality and he's not going to bring this self-deception. It's going to be what he does for us, but according to his own mercy, that his mercy is the way he did it. It was this moment that he came in where we deserve to be punished, but he said no. He said, no, in his mercy, he saves us from the punishment. Number four, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, we have this augmented reality, this real reality when we're washed of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. We were washed. We were washed in water. We were baptized into a family of God. We were baptized into an amazing place. And this moment of regeneration takes place. The technical word for this, or if we would say this technically, it'd be born again. You were born again. You were made new, that you were dead, but now you're alive. So in high school, I went to metal shop my sophomore year of high school because I wanted to take as many classes that you didn't really have to do real work, you know, like mind work. I just want to, you know, I just want to do. I want to do some blue collar work. I want to work hard with my hands. I, I, I want to, you know, they don't really care, you know, there's, I mean, how do they grade in there, you know? It's metal shop, seriously. I mean, they're grading some welds, but, you know, what, whatever. It's, it's easy. And I was so excited about metal shop, and a lot of you heard my stories about metal shop because it was, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. And, we built a dune buggy. It was amazing. But they brought in a 1963 cherry red Chevrolet truck into the shop at the beginning of the year. They brought it in on a trailer, and it looked just like this from the dump. I mean, it was bad. There were holes in the metal. It was a sidestep. There was holes in the floorboard. It was rusted out. It didn't even start. The engine didn't even turn over. And they brought this thing in. And, man, we were so excited. 
until we started working on it. You know, and then we started working on it. It was like Bondo, wet sand, Bondo, wet sand, Bondo, wet sand. Come on, somebody, anybody do body work. It's just like exhausting. Like, seriously, there's nothing here. Why am I still sanding this? No one's going to see this. And, and you have to go over and over and over again. We're welding plates on the bottom. We're ripping out the bed, putting in new wood. We're, we're just making this thing pristine, making it awesome. And then, and then all of a sudden, it looked like this, where we took it to state, and it looked like a perfect truck that was amazing and beautiful. Come on, somebody. Give a, give a hand for that truck. It was awesome. It was awesome. I'll never forget when we showed up in Waco, Texas. We revved the engine. Man, boom. We pulled it off. Everybody was staring at it. I was like, oh, yeah, we got first place. Don't worry. We got this. It was amazing. And what's crazy about regeneration is this is what God does to us. Is that when we're dead, when we're left for done in the junkyard, when we don't start, our engine doesn't turn over, we're rusted, we're, we're left for nothing, there's no purpose, no life to us. We're, we're not even being used anymore. We're not even being included in what God's doing anymore. This is what happens. is Jesus, in his great mercy, in his great grace, he comes to us and he, he revamps us and he makes us completely new, giving us a new engine, a new paint job, a new start, and all of a sudden we're living for purpose and the greatest thing about this is not only was this truck restored back to what it was meant to do it brought a lot of people with it you see it all of a sudden launched everybody who worked on that truck all of a sudden had purpose all of a sudden we're making a difference all of a sudden we were a part of something and I want to tell you right now when you share the good news of God's grace and his mercy with somebody you're a part of a story all of a sudden you're grabbing somebody you're saying hey I know you think you're done I know you think you're rusted I know you're hopeless and you're helpless but I want to tell you about a God who regenerates a God who borns people again a God who gives new life I want to tell you about him I want to tell you what he has done and they respond to it they respond to this gospel and they say whoa you can't that truck couldn't work on itself that truck could not work on itself guess what you can't work on yourself it's God who regenerates you and people are a part of the process they come around you and they say man I'm going to disciple you this year 2020's year I'm taking you through the purple book 2020 is the year I'm bringing you into my life group. 2020 is the year that we're going to make a difference as an usher. 2020 is the year where we're going to get on the high school campus with Young Life and make a difference. 2020 is the year where God's going to do amazing things. 2020 is the year and your life will be changed and you're going to make a difference. And all of a sudden we'll rally around it and we'll be excited and we'll celebrate as there's a win over here and there's a win over here and there's a win over here and that's how you win a city. That's what God does. That's what he begins to do. I feel like karate kid over there. I'm wet sand. I'm wet sand. I'm wet sand. And then boom, here it comes. This is what happened in your life. I'm showing up. I'm showing up. I'm showing up. And then boom, somebody gives their life to Jesus. And then boom, a marriage is saved. And boom, a, the kid's life is changed forever just because you noticed them and you loved them and you paid attention to them. You decided to encourage them with a text. This is what happens. This is what God does. This is what he does, church. A picture of creation, new creation symbolism. Just as the God's spirit fluttered over the, over the chaos waters bringing about creation in the beginning 
of creation. So the work of the Spirit brings about a new kind of creation in us, bringing us through new creation waters. We are made right, saved, washed, and given the Spirit to be different, not just to feel differently. Are you thankful for that? To be different, not just to feel differently. I'm so glad it's not emotionalism. I'm so glad it's not me on the front row and Ashley's singing. Ashley from Midland, Texas, leading worship this morning. Somebody. Ashley's, Ashley's singing. All of a sudden, there's a key change, and we go next level, and then my hands are raised, and then the air kicks on to 72, feel wind down my back. I get the goosebumps, right? Holy Ghost is here. Oh, come on, somebody. You see me dancing up here. But it's more than a feeling. You see, you see, that feeling won't come into your tomorrow. That feeling is not going to be there when the boss is looking at you wondering where the report is. You see, you see, it's more than a feeling. His saving grace, this mercy he's given you, this regeneration is reality. It's not augmented. It's not fake. It's not made up. It's not about the lights. It's not about the message. It's not about that. It's a reality. And I guess if the message is the gospel, it's about the message. Praise God. Let, let's look at this, that, that Christ appeared. Christ appeared, this, this Jesus event, this is what made it a reality is that Christ appeared. What makes it a reality is more than the feelings is that Christ actually appeared. He actually showed up and there's 500 uh, witnesses who accounted to his resurrection, who saw him after they saw him die on a cross. No one was going to survive a cross. No one was going to survive that death. Are you kidding me? I mean, gangrene would be all over that man. I mean, it was just crazy. It was gruesome. No one could survive that. And yet 500 witnesses, he appeared. It is historical. It is stated. It is accounted for. Chase the evidence. Watch what God does. He, we also know that it's a reality because he saved us. He saved us. Our life is a testimony of his saving grace. I think about my wife, 20, 23 years old. She had no reason to be saved. I mean, there's nothing, nothing. She comes from a horrible background, horrible family environment, all this stuff. And at age 23, the gospel encounters her. She makes a step in Jesus, and she's regenerated. Her life is never the same. This is what God does. He regenerates you. He makes you new. He changes lives. And it's a testimony. Now, if I give her a mic, she'd be like, this is what God's done for me. This is how he saved me. This is what I'd be like. But I'm not because of his saving grace. See, we, we have been washed. We have been washed and we have been justified by his grace. We've been justified. This is a powerful moment we've been justified. You see, we're all judged. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that God is, is fair. I'm so thankful that he's true and he's fair and that he's going to keep his word. That if you're disobedient, you will die. I'm thankful for that. I don't like it, right? Who doesn't like it? <laughs> it's like my, when my kids say, it's not fair. I go, well, you know, don't like it, you know. But it, it's here. It's just like you may not like it. You may not like this punishment, but that was the punishment stated. That was the punishment that was fair for us. And in his justifying grace, as he justified us, he didn't just pardon us. You see, sometimes somebody will pardon you because they have a position of authority and they can overlook the offense and just let you go. That, that's, that's awesome. But who gets punished for the crime that they committed? Who gets punished for that? I mean, that's not really fair to the family of, of, of the person 
that, that, that was murdered by that man who was just let go. This is not fair. But, but so, so, so a pardon, a pardon has to be one that is just. If he's, if he's free and he didn't do it, go. But if he did do it, he has to be punished. And we did it. We committed the greatest offense. We disobeyed God. We all did. And he didn't just pardon us, but he brought somebody to take the punishment. He brought somebody to take our place, to stand in the gap so that we didn't have to be judged, so that we didn't have to face the judgment, so that we didn't have to live in the, in the punishment. He took somebody who was punished for us, and that was Jesus. He justified us because he's a good God. And Jesus is Christ's atonement. His blood shed on the cross was this moment that, that, that Jesus did for us, and he has given us the spirit. He didn't just save us, but he gave us the spirit. How many are thankful for the spirit? Come on, somebody. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit because if he saved me, but he didn't empower me, I don't know how well I could live this, but he empowered us when he saved us. Isaiah 11, 2 through 3 gives us a picture of, of the spirit. It says this, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. I love that description of the spirit. You see, well, oftentimes we just read about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. But I love this description of the Holy Spirit right here because he says that he's going to give you knowledge. How many of you need knowledge? I need to know what my will is, God. I need to know where you want me to go. I need you to know. I know what you want me to do. I need, I need knowledge. I need counsel. I love Jesus said, I'm going to send the counselor to you. This is the exact spirit he was talking about. I'm going to send the counselor to you. He's going to counsel you on all decisions, and he's going to give you might. Everybody say might. might. Oh, I don't know if you got the might. You might have it or you might not. All right. Come on, let's say might. Might. Come on, man. He's giving you might. He's giving you might. And then he makes us rich. He makes us rich. Titus 3.6, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He has made you rich with Christ. He has made you rich. And I'm telling you, it is hard when you have a poverty mentality to understand richness. You know, if you grow up in poverty, you don't ever feel like you can cross a certain boundary. You don't ever feel like you can go to a certain house. You don't feel like you even deserve it. You can, if somebody were to give you a house, you're like, I don't even know if I deserve that. It's a poverty mindset is something amazing. Um, if you study it, it's just people stay in poverty. And to break that takes some kind of regeneration or something to happen in their life to break through that. And I'm going to tell you that God has not only given us uh, uh, this, this moment where he wants to make us rich in the sense of he wants to make us prosper and he wants us to do well. But, but he wants to make you rich in spirit. He wants to make you rich in spirit. Where you are poor, he wants to make you rich. This is what God does. He wants, to, he wants to give you, make you rich in spirit. And he did this by his grace and mercy. And he made us heirs. And that's truly what the richness of God is, this heir. Titus 3, 7, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That we were made heirs according to the hope of the eternal life of Jesus Christ. This is the greatest doctrine. If you were to study a doctrine, I would study the doctrine of adoption. 
It's amazing because this is what God has done for us is that, that we were orphans, it says, the Bible. We were orphans. We were fatherless. We, we didn't have a way, but yet he adopted us by his grace and mercy. He didn't just save us. He didn't just, he didn't just uh, give us the spirit, but he has adopted us as sons and daughters. And as we close this morning, I just think about this moment of just being adopted. Being adopted as a son or a daughter is the, most, is the greatest thing that we could ever have to be able to call on our daddy. You know, have you ever had a crisis and all you want to do is call your dad? Call your mom, and it's, 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 it's hard, horrible when, when, you know, they pass on. And we felt like, man, they were the go-to person. That's the person I would call to celebrate. That's the person I would call to talk to. And I want to tell you, this is the greatest news of adoption is that you get to call a heavenly father. In every hurt and every pain and every wound, you get to call him. When those, that list comes back up and you find yourself, man, I, I messed up again. You call, you call God, your father, and he says, it's okay, son, I love you. I paid for that. Hey, I already paid for it. Come walk. Come abide. Come stand next to me. Sit at my feet. Tell me about it. I want to listen. Tell me how you feel. I want to hear. Your dad wants to hear every cry that you have. He wants to hear every pain, and he wants to celebrate in every win. This is what he does. This is who he is. Would you stand with me this morning so we begin to close? You know, this augmented reality may be for you more than just Snapchat filters and Insta stories. Someone has been living augmented reality by living a different religion or a different life thinking that this was what was going to satisfy me. And we're finding when we take the glasses off, it doesn't really satisfy us. Some of us have been looking and pursuing pleasure, and we've been, we've been looking at these things. If I just get more of this or more of that or I add this to my life, then, then, then I will be satisfied. Then I will be satisfied. But the Lord would say, I will satisfy you. I will quench your thirst. That's who he is. It's what he does. It's a real reality. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? If you feel comfortable, do so this morning. I want to talk to two groups of people this morning. The first is those who are born again. I want you to just think and remember about your salvation experience, your moment that you came to know Jesus. And, and I want you to think about how uh, real that reality was to you and how amazing he is and the hope that he has given. He has given us a great hope, a great future. He has, he has rescued us from the list. He's rescued us from our depravity, from all brokenness. He has brought grace and mercy. And, and right now, I just, I just pray that you would remember in 2020 the grace and the mercy that he has given you, the grace and mercy that he has given to your lungs, the spirit that abides in you, that, that you would be reminded today that you are a child, a son, a daughter of the Most High God, that he loves you and the inheritance is eternity and he has written you in the will that you're in the will that you are going to inherit that's what we live for and what we live from so thankful for that and maybe you're in here and you're not born again you're not a believer in Jesus and you've never made him the Lord and Savior of your life 
I just want to ask you that the, the, the AR that you've been putting around your life, the augmented reality that you've been living, is it satisfying? If you take off the lenses of it, do you still have hope? If the, if the riches of this world were stripped away, would there still be peace? And if not, I want to invite you into a real reality that gives peace even past our understanding. A reality with Jesus. If you want to make Jesus Lord of your life this morning, I want to invite you to do so. And right now, just posture your heart around him and just begin to ask him. Church, would you repeat this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, forgive me of my list. Forgive me of my sins. I turn away from it. I put my trust and hope in you, Jesus. Be the Lord of my life. Reign over my life. Bring the real reality. In Jesus' name, amen.